0: I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. It is December, and I am once again here to ask you to support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more... I'll gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast. The way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and make your donation. If you prefer, you may designate someone to receive the benefits associated with a donation of any amount. It's up to you. Cato accepts no government money, and we depend on the generosity of our sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. Thank you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 18th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. If you're considering running a business out of your home, be prepared for the long arm of the law to intervene and stop you, or at least make your home office a more expensive place to conduct business. Christina Sandifer is Executive Vice President at the Goldwater Institute. At the State Policy Network annual meeting, we talked about home-based businesses and some of the needless, if well-meaning, regulation that might just snuff them out.
1: A home-based business is really just that. It's somebody who chooses to work from home rather than working out of a traditional office. And these days, technology has made it so easy for people to work from home that they can be lawyers, they can be social workers, they can do arts and crafts, they can podcast. All sorts of things that people can do from the convenience of their homes rather than going into a traditional office. In fact, according to the United States Census Bureau, over half of all American businesses are home-based, and that is only growing. And of course, this is good for a number of reasons. It's primarily good for people who want to earn a living but don't necessarily have the ability to go into an office every day. They can be flexible. They can take care of their kids. They can take care of elderly relatives. They can work different hours. Um, it's also good, of course, for traffic problems, people who don't have to commute into the city anymore. There are many benefits to people operating a home-based business, and yet there are very few spillover costs on the neighborhood itself.
0: All right. So w- when when you describe home-based business, I once upon a time had an LLC, and uh, the address was my home, but I didn't necessarily do all of the work out of out of the home I t- certainly did some of it there but to what extent are people regulating businesses that just have an address that is at a, a residence
1: it's a it's a very good question and the answer is telling cities are treating home-based businesses as being something that has to be regulated regardless of what's actually being done in the home. You could have just an address for an LLC. You could have, you know, perhaps no customers, no merchandise, no employees. You might be sitting at your kitchen table doing somebody's taxes. And for cities across the country, that would be considered a home-based business. And the reason that's important is not only are they characterizing what you're doing as a business. But in many cities, that would be illegal, and in some, it would actually be a crime.
0: Okay, and then that's based on uh, regulations that govern uh, safety and health. Well, that sort of thing. Pr-
1: purportedly regulations that govern safety and health. But yeah, you know, the way that that cities deal with home-based businesses, it's almost like activities that would otherwise be perfectly permissible to do in somebody's house are somehow tainted by commerce um, when they are done in order uh, for, you know, somebody to make a living or to, to get money. And so therefore, different regulations apply. So for example, some cities will put caps on the number of customers that you can have in your home. Uh, Pursuant to your home based business. Some cities, like the city of Nashville, say you can't have any customers for your home based business. And so that means if I say I want to tutor somebody in violin or in mathematics, what is any, there's no difference between doing that and having somebody over to play music together, or to watch television together. There's absolutely no difference. And there's no difference to the community around me. But because I'm making money, through that transaction, the city will say, I can't do it.
0: So if you were giving these services away, that's a totally different animal as far as the government's concerned.
1: As far as the government's concerned. And cities are supposed to be focused on the health and safety and welfare of the neighborhood. And if I don't have any neighbors who are complaining, and again, if the activity is no different from what it would be if we were just getting together, um, you know, to, to play music or to enjoy our time together, then the city wouldn't regulate that behavior. It is absolutely absurd To think that just because money is changing hands, what would be perfectly permissible and normal behavior in somebody's home suddenly turns into a crime.
0: So uh, when you say the words home-based business, my second thought is uh, people who prepare food. Yeah. And so uh, when you get that all-important letter at your restaurant tacked up on the wall, the reason that we do that. It says, we can observe as customers the cleanliness of a dining room, but we as customers cannot observe the cleanliness of the kitchen. And so the government typically will, be, will uh, have health inspectors to go out and assure the public by examining these kitchens and making sure that everything is clean. What changes with respect to a home-based business when they're preparing food for sale?
1: Sure, you know from from a uh, health and safety standpoint, one could argue that there it would be more reasonable to have a regulation that actually purports to address health and safety. So when we get into things like food preparation, you know, there there might be some arguable reason that the government would step in and have some sort of inspection or licensure or that sort of thing. Um, keep in mind, though, even there, even if we accept that. That role does not necessarily have to be fulfilled by government. It's true that we don't necessarily know what goes on in a kitchen, say in a particular restaurant, uh, in a in a brick and mortar restaurant, but of course, a government inspector is coming in at a specific time. They may be looking for something, they may not be paying attention. Uh, as consumers, there are a number of different ways that we already rate restaurants, that we rate um, hotels, that we, you know, that we rate Ubers. Um, Airbnbs, things like that. There are online websites like Yelp that we can go and we can leave critical comments. Um, there's no reason why government actually has to be the inspector in a situation like that. And also keep in mind that when we come, when we're talking about somebody's home, oftentimes people have dinner parties, people have guests over, people pack picnic lunches for their kids and their friends to take to the park. We don't have Big Brother coming into somebody's home and inspecting the kitchen every single time that happens because there's no commercial traffic. Transaction. Why, again, suddenly when money changes hands, does that change the situation entirely? I think we should be asking ourselves those critical questions.
0: Yeah, there are uh, websites that are like Airbnb, like you know, it's just part of the the broader sharing economy where uh, people invite others into their home, twenty bucks a head. Here's the meal I'm going to prepare for you. Uh, this is this is all. These are all the things I'm going to provide and. As far as I know, there haven't been some, you know, widespread uh, problems associated with that, and those people are closer to uh, that product as well. It,
1: exactly. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you're actually sitting in the kitchen where the where the product is prepared. No, I think I think there is there's just somehow some concern, and I think that this is perpetuated by government and the idea that government knows best. But there's just some concern when it comes to exchanging money that suddenly the fact that this is a business makes behaviors that we have all engaged in for our entire lives different. And that's scary because when you're talking about somebody's home, you're talking about somebody's castle, their private dwelling. And the more that we encourage government to come into that private dwelling and inspect, um, you know, the more that we're giving up essential rights to privacy. Even the uh, federal OSHA has resisted uh, putting regulations into place that would require inspections for home-based businesses. Even the federal government has resisted that because they know, again, that you know somebody's home is qualitatively different from somebody's brick-and-mortar business. It isn't open to the general public. That's where somebody lives. And again, these home-based businesses aren't the types of places where people are coming in and out all day long. This is your home. This is your residence. And so we have to be very, very careful about giving up um, our privacy rights government simply because we're making money
0: on our homes. So what is the legal rationale that is offered that that, uh, uh, would say it's totally fine if you're giving these things away or these benefits away to uh, individual members of the public, but the minute you start accepting money uh, for services or products that are created in a home suddenly the government has this very important role to play. What is the – what legally yeah. makes that a thing?
1: The legal rationale that cities will offer is they'll say, look, this is a residential – Area And so residential activity is allowed, commercial activity is not. And so cities will put into place regulations, they'll put into place licensing schemes, they'll put into place requirements that, again, that limit the number of people that can be in a home, even though that's not true for residential use. And they'll do that because they'll argue that this is not a commercial zone, this is a residential zone. Now, that is not the correct way to look at this situation because, again, whether something is commercial or residential that that has to do with the qualities of the structure, right? Again, do I have a parking lot? Do I have people parking in the street? Do I have noise and things that are spilling out into the neighborhood? Are there people coming and going all day long? If this is my residence, if this is primarily used as a home, if I'm sleeping there, my family is you know, living there, and occasionally we have somebody come in again, say for violin lessons, for tutoring, if I'm sitting there knitting blankets that I'm going to sell down at the local craft fair, that does not transform that use from residential to commercial. And so therefore the city should not have the power to treat what I'm doing in that home differently and infringe on my rights simply because I'm making money doing it. But Cities just don't see it that way. And and unfortunately, I think that a lot of people who would otherwise be very respectful of property rights or the right to earn a living or privacy, uh, a lot of our our friends on the right, they draw a line here because of this myth of local control, this sort of obsession that if something is done at the local level, then it's inherently good and okay. Um, And, you know, I think that we really need to dispel people of that myth because, A lot of decisions should and can be made at the local level. There are definitely differences between communities, and and it's good to keep things local, and sometimes that keeps our local politicians accountable. But, of course, also local governments are very subject to capture by NIMBYs, by, say, competitors who, you know, at a brick-and-mortar restaurant don't want somebody cooking down the street – because that's, a, that's competition for them. And so they'll go to their local officials and they'll try to get them to intrude on people's rights. And we have to keep in mind that local control is not a good in and of itself. It is an end to a means of protecting people's rights. The
0: response from uh, be it hotels or uh, restaurants or any number of other businesses is I have to comply with a lot of regulation and that's not free. These people don't, and that gives them an unfair advantage.
1: And we can understand those concerns to a degree, right? I mean, that 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 argument comes up a lot when taxi companies who have had to succumb to licensing schemes for a long time, who have had to pay in, in New York City a million dollars to get permission to be able to run uh, a taxi are suddenly met with competition from Uber that doesn't have to do that. But I think um, we have to stop and consider... Well, if these regulations aren't actually helping anybody, if if it's true that we can operate a business side of somebody's home with no spillover effects to the community, with no health or safety problems, then maybe rather than subjecting people who want to work from home to regulations that don't make any sense for them, what we should do is scale back regulations for everybody. A lot of these brick and mortar businesses have to are subjected to licensure schemes that are just as absurdly applied to them as if they were applied to a home-based business. And so maybe some of those licensure schemes aren't actually keeping the public safe, and we should reconsider them. But to the extent that there are some licenses that might make sense for local governments, again, there is a difference between a business that has permission to operate in a commercial area, that has the benefits of a parking lot, that has that is in a place that is particularly zoned for that business, and that may have other privileges that somebody in their home may not. Um, our, you know, our work is just to ex- to expect local government to treat local um, to treat people who work out of their homes the same as anybody else in that residential area, so long as they are respecting the laws of that residential area. So, if there's a noise ordinance in a residential area then the people who are working from home need to respect that. If there is an ordinance that says you can't park on the street, you can only park in people's driveways, well, then somebody who's operating a home-based business will have to respect that and on and on and on. As long as they're respecting the residential character of the neighborhood, then they should be able to do what they want within their homes. And again, businesses that are in commercial districts, they have a little bit more leeway there. They're able to make more noise. They're able to cause more traffic and that sort of thing. And so they get those privileges. And in exchange for those privileges, one might argue they're subject to a little bit more regulation.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because you would expect um, that we're not so much concerned about whether or not uh, everyone has training or uh, the doors are of a certain width or something like that. We're concerned about the final product and we're concerned about the impact on people who live nearby.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, that is the point of zoning, right? It's supposed to be that people decide to live in certain areas and there are certain impacts and spillover effects that they're going to expect or not expect from their neighbors. And yet again, most of these regulations don't match that at all. I want to give you a quick example um, of a woman named Kim O'Neill that we worked with at the Goldwater Institute. She lives in Chandler, Arizona. It's a large suburb outside of Phoenix. And She runs a medical billing business. Her father had become ill, and so rather than go to an office every single day, she wanted to stay home to be able to take care of him. So she wanted to run her medical billing business from home. Her business did not have customers, didn't store any inventory. It literally consisted of her and a couple of her employees sitting at a table and working on their computers. And the city said, first of all, that if she wanted to do that, she had to install a commercial parking lot because she was a business. Now, none of her employees parked in the street or caused any traffic problems, they're all parking in her driveway, just as if they were coming over to watch movies or cook together or whatever else. And arguably, again, if we're so concerned about the spillover effects, well, installing a commercial parking lot in a residential area, that does change qualitatively um, the neighborhood and the characteristics. So she said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's absurd. And then they told her, well, you can't have any employees working out of your house. Again, treating her differently, discriminating against her. If she wants, if her neighbor wants to have somebody over, That's perfectly fine if they're just hanging out. But if Kim wants to have somebody over to work on her business, that's not okay. So she said, that's fine. I'll just let all my employees work from home, their own homes. And I will just literally sit here at my desk and work on my computer. And that's the only thing I'm doing to advance my business out of my home. And the city still wouldn't allow her to do that. They said, no, we don't think you should be able to have any employees if you want to work from home. If you're going to have employees working from you, then you have to work out of a brick and mortar store. And eventually she just gave up. And she said, you know what? I'm dealing with a lot. My father's sick. I'm just not going to pursue this business this way. Um, and that that is... You know, it's really telling because, again, if the city were truly concerned about the types of things it should be concerned about, health, safety, the quality of the neighborhood, it wouldn't be just reaching and piling on regulation after regulation that eventually, you know, the the phrase you can't fight City Hall proves to be true for these home-based businesses. And it becomes just too much, too expensive, and too costly in terms of time for people to actually pursue. And that's a real shame because you know, technology enables us to be able to be flexible and work from home. And what these cities are telling people is basically the American dream is not open for you.
0: Christina Sandifer is executive vice president at the Goldwater Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting in Utah. 2018 is almost over, and I'd like to ask you to consider supporting the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by joining our podcast sponsor program. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more about the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.